When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome, 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 everyone, to the inaugural Fantasy Throwdown podcast. So, I've decided to actually do a weekly podcast to recap all the fantasy sports and sports news of the day. So, uh, let's give it a whirl here and actually get right down to it. Because right now, we are right in the midst of football season and we already have a panic meltdown whatever raging dumpster fire I, I, honestly any acronym you could throw at the new york giants right now which is exactly what i was afraid of happening with the amount of preseason hype the giants got going into the season knowing that there was nothing done with that offensive line absolutely nothing i mean the only thing that's shocking to me about the Giants so far this year is just how bad the offensive line is. Not that that was going to be bad, but just how absolutely abysmal the line play has been. I mean, honestly, between the Sunday Night Football broadcast and Monday Night Football, Eric Flowers' name was mentioned no less than 28 times. And I and I stopped counting because it, it was getting that but. It was just getting that uh, more obnoxious where you get to the stage where you see just the car wreck happening and you're just you're just stand, standing there looking looking at the accident just like uh, holding up traffic because everyone could see Eric Flowers just completely failing miserably on national television and meanwhile we have our head coach Ben McAdoo or because of his post-game conference, probably will have a, a, a nickname of Macadouche, depending on how uh, sensitive the newspapers want to go with it. But, I mean, 
McAdoo has the slick back hair, looks like he just made capo with a crime family, and is just watching his left tackle get roasted by Ziggy Ansa multiple times, never bothers to change the offensive protection. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I, I honestly felt like I was watching Mike Marks coach our football team because that is exactly the same thought process that you would get out of Mike Marks when he ran the greatest show on turf and then failed miserably as a head coach in the NFL. Because, honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your scheme is. If you don't actually have personnel that can execute the game plan, it doesn't really matter for whatever brilliant play call you got because your players can't execute. I mean, there is no sense of having Odell Beckham back in the lineup because guess what? Those intricate pass routes that you're trying to run don't mean squat because Eli's basically a sitting duck out there and he can't throw the football. So for all fantasy purposes, any New York Giants player that you have right now, honestly, their value drops by at least three rounds. So Odell Beckham is at best a wide receiver too. And maybe you can play Evan Ingram. But outside of that, there was really no reason to uh, hold on to uh, Brandon Marshall or Sterling Shepard. Now, you could hold on to him for the sake of holding on to him because if you're in a deep league where you got 14 to 16 teams, yes. In a 12-team league, it's actually a lot harder to justify holding on to those guys, hoping that things are going to turn around because as it stands, Giants going off to Philly uh, next game and... Philly's just going to blitz them to death. They haven't even faced... See, that was the actual... That was truly the saddest part about last night's game. Is the fact that Detroit wasn't even bringing pressure. That's the scary part. Not even bringing pressure. The Giants actually have to hope for Philly to blitz and hope that they can actually get a hot read and hit them with a slant. Because, again, (laughs) where else are you going to go? Because... Uh, if you can't actually get any uh, protection lasting longer than two seconds, you're not going to do much. So the next two games against Philly and Tampa are really going to dictate the season for the Giants and any fantasy ownership of Giants players because the offense can't get much worse than this. But I can't see it getting that much better because, again, Philly's going to blitz them. They'll do a lot of double-A gap blitzes, so uh, it's going to be coming up uh, pressure coming up the middle. But outside of that, I, I, I mean, Flowers just has to. It's like either you kick him, either you kick him over to right tackle side, or you actually bring in Brett Edelson, who again the Giants signed and basically to be a fullback tight end, and he he doesn't even see the field. It, it doesn't even make any sense why you would actually bring him on the roster if you had no intention of using him in any packages whatsoever. But. Again, that is on McAdoo and whatever he's trying to go for in terms of an offense. Because even if Aaron Rodgers was running this team, this team would still be 0-2. Because right now, there's nothing going forward for the Giants. All right. Had to get that off my chest. Moving on to a couple other uh, squads. Because uh, we, we had some interesting results over the weekend. Uh Namely, the Cowboys just getting absolutely manhandled by the Denver defense, which 
I'll be honest. I, I was completely shocked by that result. Uh, the Cowboys' offensive line has never been manhandled the way they were manhandled by Denver. And I think part of it had to do with uh, just being in the altitude and, you know, things just happen differently when you're at Mile High Stadium. And I, I just think that the Cowboys were a little bit overwhelmed by the moment because they got, they got punched in the mouth real early and never responded to Denver after the fact. But the amount of uh, uh, flack uh, Zeke got for not running running down the interception when he's halfway across the field and has no chance of getting the cornerback. I mean, to me, that's a non story that was made a story mainly because of the backstory with Ezekiel Elliott and everything else that's going on with him, which I'm not really going to get into because, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll need a legal scholar to actually sort through exactly where Ezekiel Elliott stands in terms of the NFL, the appeals process, the court process, and all that in between. So as far as it, I'm looking at it is that Cowboys got got dominated. Should be better next week, but, I mean, that's actually something to bear in mind because uh, up next for Denver is Buffalo, who couldn't do much against Carolina's defense, and I, I just... Uh, I, I, I just shudder to think what Buffalo's actually going to do when Buffalo is legitimately trying to tank that season and they can say whatever they want. They basically set up Tyrod Taylor to fail with that team. There are no wide receivers uh, that could actually play on that team right now. Zay Jones could be a decent player, but you know the only thing that can help Buffalo at this stage is the fact that it, it's, uh, it's a situation where the, uh, the Broncos are traveling across the country to Buffalo, and maybe the Broncos uh, get uh, that kind of jet-like feeling. But, I mean, that's literally the only benefit the Bills have going into a Sunday 1 o'clock game is that maybe the Broncos are a little bit sleepy. But if the Broncos are even 75% of where they're at Sunday, I just see a very long day for uh, the Bills in general. So... Going around the league uh, in terms of uh, teams that have performed well, you got this typical uh, Steelers production where you're getting uh, lots of production out of AB. Uh, Martavis Bryant's back. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's been a bit slow, which isn't that shocking given the fact that he held out a training camp. Uh, but there's nothing really that concerning that you're seeing out of uh, uh, the Steelers there. Uh, in terms of the rest of the AFC North, uh, the Ravens are 2-0, and but really it's kind of hard to figure out what you're actually going to do with the Ravens' offense because Terrence West, yeah, he's getting some more touches, but doesn't really look like he can actually be a bell cow, so it, it, it's kind of hard to get much fa- fantasy value. Mike Wallace is all over the place, so you, you don't know what you actually have on your hands there. Basically, the only thing you can do with the Ravens is just play on the defense and uh, hope for the best. Uh, cause, uh, outside of that, there's not much there. Uh, the Browns, uh, shocker, the Browns are 0-2. Uh, I mean, the, the, the most entertaining thing about the Browns is Joe Thomas, who for some reason loves playing for the Browns because he could have gotten traded so many times at this point. But uh, he has now played 10,000 snaps with the Browns. And his 18 different quarterbacks he's blocked for. Uh, 
I don't know what kind of congratulations you can give for that other than say, uh, there you go. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, honestly, there's real no career achievement award that can actually benefit uh, the likes of Joe Thomas, who is probably going to the Hall of Fame sooner than later. But, you know, the, the sad part of it is, like, with careers like that, it's like, yes, you'll be remembered as a Hall of Famer, but how many people across the country actually know who Joe Thomas is? I, I'd, be, I'd be really surprised if that many people knew about Joe Thomas, if only because he's a Michigan guy. That That's just about it. Hey, can, can you remember any Joe Thomas highlight outside of uh, what he's done in the NFL uh, recently? Because the Browns are always that bad. It's just you just know Joe Thomas is good at what he does. And then if you're talking about teams that can't get out of their own way, it's the Bengals. And the reason why the Bengals are where they are is because of Bengals management. Because only the Bengals would ever let not one, but your top uh, two of your top three receivers leave with no replacements ever. And it was the same story last year. Muhammad Sanu left along with Marvin Jones and the Bengals never replaced them adequately. Brandon LaFell is not a replacement level wide receiver. The Bengals don't have anyone who can stretch the field. So what happens is that A.J. Green gets doubled and it's easier to just put penetration on the Bengals because the Bengals offensive line got overhauled because, again, the Bengals don't like to pay anyone and they paid Andy Dalton. So outside of Andy Dalton and A.J., no one else is uh, actually getting a decent contract with the Bengals. So that entire offensive line had to get retooled and it's showing because... They can't move the line to save their lives. And that Thursday night game against the Texans, I mean, it goes right right up there with some of the worst Thursday night football games uh, uh, we've seen in, in past years. I, I mean, it's, it's pretty much Blake Bortles worthy performance by the Bengals uh, Thursday night. So uh, it's really tough to kind of recommend any Bengals at this point outside of Joe Mixon, who... Figures to get some more carries uh, outside of uh, Jeremy Hill, who's basically just taking up roster space at this point. Uh, Gio Bernard is a third down back. Uh, still still has, uh, looks like he's uh, recovering from uh, knee surgery. It's getting a little bit back into swing of things, but Mixon looks like the only running back that has any kind of juice that can actually break tackles and uh, move forward. So I'm still looking at Mixon to get a little bit more burn uh, as the season goes along. So it, that that basically looks like the only viable fantasy player uh, outside of A.J. Green uh, who will still put up numbers because he, he had a couple of nice catches uh, Thursday. But outside of that, it, it's really tough to recommend anyone on the Bengals besides uh, those two because Andy Dalton looks like he's regressing because of the offensive line play. And it doesn't look like it's going to get much uh, better anytime soon. Uh, it kind of goes back to one of my points that I've made in the past, uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, is the fact that the NFL needs a preseason to preseason. Because uh, just like the pitchers and pe- uh, catchers spring training, I think the NFL needs to have a spring training for QBs and offensive linemen. It, it's just so apparent how bad some of these teams are because they don't get the prep work that they used to get because of the restructured CBA from the last lockout. 
and it's uh, mostly impacting the offensive line and the quarterback play because too many guys aren't on the same page. They can't get on the same snap count. It's it's coming time and again with uh, blitz uh, packages not getting picked up properly and guys just having terrible technique. Now, again, does that excuse certain players like Eric Flowers? No. Some players just are not in natural positions and will struggle regardless of how much practice time they get. But some of these other teams, I, I have to think that they – They'd be a little bit more consistent if they were actually uh, in a position to play further. I mean, the fact that Scott Tolzien actually made an NFL start looking as bad as he did, it's just proof positive that the NFL preseason system as it currently stands is just a waste of time because guys are not getting the proper reps that they actually need. And when it comes to regular season time, they're they're more likely to get themselves hurt than anything else. Moving on. Okay, so we've got the AFC South. Whew. Wow. Yeah. Man, I feel like skipping this division. Uh okay, so Titans. Uh all right, so Titans still the same uh, kind of offense philosophy. You got a lot of run first, you got Mariota. Uh, still using the late scramble. I mean, more often than not, you're seeing some carries for DeMarco, but uh, because of how uh, the last game uh, just kind of worked out uh, in, in terms of uh, carries, you had a little bit more uh, production uh, against the Jaguars team that was just completely overwhelmed. So uh, Derrick Henry got a lot of burn. Uh, not so much uh, passing game numbers. Fantasy-wise, it's going to be hit or miss with the Titans most of the year, I feel, just because that offense, because it's so run-heavy, you're not you're not going to be absolutely sure if DeMarco's going to get the carries or Derrick Henry's going to get the carries because it's just going to be a game-full type of situation. So th- that's kind of a mixed bag. Oh, Jacksonville. Oh, man. I, oh, Blake Bortles. Blake, Blake Bortles. Oh, Blake. Possibly, possibly the worst quarterback in the league, not named Scott Tolzien, and maybe Jared Goff. But Blake Bortles. Oh, man. I can't. You know, I'm going to have to do another uh, show on Blake Bortles because I I can't do it. I can't summon up the strength to talk about Blake Bortles right now. I mean, honestly, with the Jaguars passing game, uh, Allen Robinson's on IR for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. Uh, I guess Marquise Lee is your play. And Allen Hearns in the mix somewhere. I mean, really, with the Jaguars offense, you're you're banking on Leonard Fournette actually breaking out. Uh, There's really nothing else to it other than that because... (sighs) Yeah, the man, Blake Bortles. Uh, anyway, uh, Jaguars defense had a rough showing last week, but a lot of that can be attributed to again Blake Bortles. So I, I still like the Jags. D uh, got a nice, uh, nice couple of pieces all across the board. As long as the offense could stay out of its own way, uh, the Jags defense should be productive from a fantasy perspective. And that that's really where it comes down to. Te- the Texans, another team that 
for offensive fantasy purposes, I would just say avoid if you could. Uh, if you do have Lamar Miller, good luck to you. Uh, I just don't see Miller being that productive from a fantasy perspective this season. I think Dante Foreman will eventually take the line share of those carries uh, towards the back stretch of the season. Uh, in terms of Tom Savage being so ineffective that they actually had to pull Deshaun Watson out way too early to play quarterback, the Texans offense is going to be limited from that perspective because Watson still has to learn how to read NFL defenses. He'll get there, but this was never the plan. This was supposed to be Tom Savage being able to handle this team, and he was woefully inept in that opening game that they had to go to uh, the shot. There was no choice. And again, this is more to the point of why was Tom Savage so unprepared for NFL season, knowing that he was going to be the starter and that there was no QB competition with Deshaun Watson. There's really no excuse outside of not having enough prep work with uh, his actual wide receiving core and the offensive line. It, it's really that telling. And the Colts, the less said, the better. Andrew Luck was never going to be ready for this NFL season. Everyone knew this. The, the only... I mean, and it's it's already been talked about to death uh, with Kaepernick not being signed. But there was really no excuse for the Colts not to actually have a backup plan. Even if they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, it, as bad as Ryan Fitzpatrick is, it was still a better idea than what they currently have. Then They had to get lucky that uh, the Patriots suffered an injury with Julian Edelman to actually consider giving up Jacoby Brissett because they wouldn't have given up uh, Brissett if Edelman was healthy because the only reason why the Pats made that deal was because Edelman was hurt and they wanted a speedy wide receiver in Philip Brissett. That was literally the only thing in it for the Pats just to do a valuation play because Malcolm Mitchell was hurt, Edelman was out, so they had to actually get a speedy wide receiver in case they needed uh, uh Needed it for death reason, which actually they did because uh, Amendola got a concussion. So, uh, again, this is a lot of ifs that happen to work out for the Colts because Brissett can actually play a little bit. But the fact that he literally walked onto the job and took it from Scott Tolzien just tells you all you need to know about how lackadaisical the Colts' preparation was. Because for a team that was actually set up to try to win the AFC South this year, which is not that hard to do, to be that unprepared for the actual season to begin is inexcusable. But again, this is what we've come accustomed to with NFL teams uh, this year, is just being utterly unprepared for the season. Unless you're the Jets, who are intentionally trying to tank and are doing a masterful job of being so blatant about tanking that you might actually have teams considering throwing out a proposal for tempting teams not to tank because that's how uh, the Jets have prepared their, for this season. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. 
Teams that have surprised me this year, uh, I have to go with the Chiefs because overall the star of fantasy so far this year, in my opinion, is Kareem Hunt. Uh, the biggest the biggest thing I have to say about Kareem Hunt is he's actually even faster than I thought he was <laughs> because uh, there were stretches in that New England game where he was basically as fast as Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill... Pretty much has the uh, the lockdown on fastest guy in the NFL, but Kareem Hunt is neck and neck with him. So the the thing with the Chiefs, uh, you were always concerned was can Alex Smith move the ball down the field, which I always thought was more of a knock against Alex uh, Smith just being a game manager instead of going for it. But with receivers who can stretch the field the way the Chiefs can right now. Alex Smith really doesn't have a choice but to actually push uh, push the envelope because if he doesn't push the envelope, uh, any reads under the gun to actually bring in Mahomes because Mahomes actually has a big arm and is used to airing the ball out at Texas Tech. So it, it's more of a do-or-die kind of season for Alex Smith just because he knows that his replacement is one year away from taking his job. So he actually has to put up big numbers this year because he may be out of a job next year no matter how well he plays unless he wins the Super Bowl. So uh, it's an interesting dynamic there. Uh, other teams that uh, sur- slightly surprised me, Denver Broncos. Uh, I have to I have to give Trevor Simeon credit. He, he actually played compellingly, uh, competently well, uh, in ter- all things considered. Uh, given the fact that his forte is just being more of a game manager, I actually have to give him credit for actually being able to manage it, manage what he has going on and also keep keep the chains moving because the, the biggest thing with the Broncos is just let that defense do its thing don't don't trip it over yourselves I mean that that's really what it comes down to teams that I think should be pressing the panic button right now obviously the Giants because that offensive line was never looked at never worked on hasn't been worked on for two years. Always had issues, and now teams are just game planning for the Giants to just focus on Eric Flowers. It's just that apparent that the Giants need to make changes. The only question is how many changes will McAdoo make in time before the season gets too far out of the way? Because I think the Giants are very much in trouble just because of the fact that McAdoo doesn't even seem to be acknowledging that there's an issue with his play calling. Uh, by not changing up the packages whatsoever. Other teams that I think have a severe issue. The Vikings. Shocker. Sam Bradford is hurt yet again. Now, Bradford injured his knee with the Eagles before, came back, got injured again. There, there was no guarantee on Sam Bradford uh, being healthy at all the rest of the way this year. And is very much likely to re-injure himself. So at this point, the Vikings don't have a backup QB because Teddy Bridgewater is still coming back from uh, his serious uh, knee injury uh, uh, last year. And they don't really have anyone that can actually throw a piece together an offense. uh, As seen Sunday against the Steelers secondary that is very suspect to say the least. So... Uh, the Vikings very much 
our team that I press the panic button on, uh, button on. The Packers, another team I would press the panic button on. And I know it's Aaron Rodgers, but here's the thing with the Packers that I think is very glaring, uh, similar to the way the Giants are. I think with the similar offensive game set that the Giants-Packers have, I, I think usually with the NFL there's a timetable for uh, teams being productive enough uh, for you actually have to start considering uh, changing up the offensive philosophy or per, uh, coaching personnel. Usually there's about a five-year window before teams really catch on to exactly what you're doing, and the Packers have actually exceeded that uh, that uh, that freshness state, if you will, because a lot of what the Packers do uh, tends to be moving around the offense, yeah, setting up the run game through the play action, and just opening up lanes. Part of that ends up being because Aaron Rodgers is mobile enough to actually evade rushers, so you don't need to have as great pass uh, pass protection as you would on other teams. But, you know, it comes that down to it. The Packers lost T.J. Lang to the Lions. The line isn't as good. And so when they actually have to go up against top-caliber competition like the Falcons, who, while they're not great defensively, they're very athletic. So when you have when you're going up against an athletic team that speed rushes you, you, you have to be able to move your feet. And what I was seeing on Sunday is the fact that the Packers are kind of slow. They, they, they're, they're, they're fast at skill positions, but at the offensive line uh, point of attack, they can get beat to the punch. Very similar to the Giants, only not nearly as bad as the Giants. So I would, I would keep an eye on the Packers. I have some concerns about them. Carolina is another team I would be concerned about, even though they're 2-0. Cam does not look right. They could say whatever they want about the shoulder surgery. Cam doesn't look right throwing the football. Cam hurt his ankle. But he just does not look right moving around the pocket. Uh, The throws are off. Greg Olson uh, got injured uh, on Sunday with with a fractured foot. So he's going to be out a couple of weeks at at least uh, up up to a month and a half, two months. Uh, that that really takes away a lot of what Carolina likes to do in certain packages and forces them to be more one-dimensional in terms of the passing game. A lot of over-the-top with Kelvin Benjamin. And Devin Funches has got to step up. I, I mean, that that's one guy I would look at if uh, he's still on waiver wires uh, for certain teams. I would look at Funches, but, you know... It, I'm not that sold on Carolina's offense because, again, if, if the Bills weren't so over, overwhelmed by Carolina's defense because the Bills have no wide receivers, uh, that's in a completely different game on Sunday. I, I, I just I don't really like the way Carolina's looking at either one of their games. I, I just think uh, they're very suspect uh, there. Another team that, you know, I didn't really have much uh, – expectation about but you know it's a very interesting offseason that's set up uh uh that's coming up soon are the saints because drew Brees is a free agent and in drew Brees's contract they can't franchise tag him uh so drew Brees, for all intents and purposes is a walking free agent and the saints defense once again is completely abysmal there's really no reason for the Saints to have Drew Brees, 
other than to try to string out this season and keep fans to coming to the stadium because the Saints aren't going anywhere. Uh, you know, Adrian Peterson didn't really make sense as a signing to begin with. And when you factor in the fact that uh, Mark Ingram already was salty last year about the number of carries he was getting with Tim Hightower, you know AP is going to be demanding carries. Uh, and to be honest, I, I think the best uh, running back out of the three of them is Alvin Kamara, who is the only one showing that they, he's got a little bit of kick. But, you know, again, with those type of veterans in there, he's not going to get that much burn. Uh, it, it's just an awkward situation. Uh, the the best thing the Saints have to look forward to is Willie Sneed is uh, going to be back uh, after this uh, next game. So he, yeah, the three-game suspension is going to be over. But, you know. I just don't, I don't, I don't see much out of the Saints this year from a football perspective. Fantasy-wise, they'll put up numbers offensively uh, just because they'll be in a lot of garbage time situations, but uh, I would be very much worried about the Saints. And my last team to keep an eye out that I would be very worried about, the Car- well, actually two teams, Cardinals and the Seahawks. Cardinals for one big reason, David Johnson's hurt. I mean, David Johnson's out for the next two months. Uh, Maybe he'll be back for Christmas. Uh, If a fantasy team is able to survive without David Johnson until Christmas, I'm one of those fantasy owners with David Johnson, so I will be scratching and clawing as best as I can. But uh, outside of that, uh, you know, that first game back, it was uh, readily apparent that... uh, the offensive game plan was not being centered on Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, so that was a little bit, a uh, bit of a strange choice. Uh, uh, they, they tried to do a few different, uh, try to get a few other receivers involved, which again is uh, with uh, JJ Nelson and John Brown. Uh, interesting choice because neither of those receivers have been all that consistent in their careers. But, you know, from the standpoint of, Hey, uh, they'll get some opportunities. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I would look at those guys. Uh, if I'm a Larry Fitzgerald owner, I would sit tight and just play by ear week to week to just see how the offense uh, adjusts without David Johnson. Uh, if you're looking for a back to pick out of the Kerwin Williams, Chris Johnson, Andre Ellington, uh, poo poo platter, uh, yeah, uh, I would just say Kerwin Williams in touchdown dependent leagues. Uh, I would stay away from all three in PPR format, but I mean, if you if you absolutely have to grab someone because of injuries, or if you were just praying that the hand the hand, uh, Kerwin Williams handcuff would help you out, I guess you could hold on to Williams. But I, again, I I just don't see much out of there. Uh, Seattle is my other team that I would have big warning flags on. And this has been coming for a while, too, because uh, Seattle has the exact same issues that we have on the offensive line. Uh, you know, and it stems just from the Max Unger for Jimmy Graham trade. It never made any sense for Seattle to trade their center for a tight end because you took a glamour position and you broke up the actual core of your offensive line. They have never actually 
recovered from that trade. They could say whatever they want. They never managed to use Jimmy Graham successfully the way he was used in New Orleans, and their offensive line completely went in the gutter after that trade because the following year, Marshawn Lynch just kept running the brick walls and then decided to retire. Hey, you know, the biggest issue with the Seahawks remains that offensive line. They had more injuries in the preseason and it had a couple of injuries during uh, the first two games. And they can't run the football. They can't pass block. Russell Wilson's constantly scrambling. He's dropping back eight yards to make uh, 10-yard passes down the field. You know, it's just the fact that Russell is young enough that he can take the pounding. It's just that you're costing your team years of development, uh, proper development for Russell Wilson because he's picking up a ton of bad habits right now just because he has to try to do what he can to keep plays alive. But this is not a viable way of getting success, and it's showing with the lack of production with Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin can't get open because he he's having to rely on scramble drills. But what what's actually ended up happening is that Russell Wilson's been scrambling away from Doug Baldwin uh, because of where the pressure's been uh, kind of gauging because teams have been looking at what works and what hasn't for the Seahawks. And one of the things is if you keep Russell Wilson scrambling, uh, uh, circling away from the side that Doug Bowen's lined up on, you're in a good spot of actually being successful. So uh, that's one situation where I would keep my eye on. Uh, we'll see with uh, the running back situation if Chris Carson uh, can actually secure the job from Rawls and ProSize and Eddie Lacy. Uh, I mean, that backfield's been chaos uh uh, for the better part of a year and a half now. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those situations where you knew someone was going to inherit the legacy for Lynch just because they want to run the football. It's just that I don't think that offensive line is capable of running that football consistently. So, anyway, in terms of overall assessment of the first two weeks of the fantasy football season, uh, I would say that... You know, we've got some young stars uh, coming up through the ranks, and we've got some teams with a lot of question marks that are uh, going along. At, and, you know, uh, I, I, I didn't even get a chance to talk about the Bears and uh, Jordan Howard. I mean, whew. yeah, it's like Jordan Howard was the one first-round pick that people were saying to avoid, but... You know, I felt strong about Jordan Howard that you had to play him just because just it, it's too it's too hard to actually walk away from Jordan Howard's talent. But the fact that Jordan Howard already picked up a shoulder injury, Tariq Cohen's looked good. I mean, this this could get into a full-blown timeshare in a big way uh, by the time he really gets healthy again. So uh, it's just a lot going on with fantasy. And, I mean, we're already... A good 35 minutes into uh, this podcast, and I haven't even talked about uh, some of the other stuff that I've, I've seen going on uh, today. So I will uh, adjourn for now, and uh, we will uh, pick this back up uh, later in the week as we uh, start getting into uh, some of the pricing for DFS and Week 3 projection, uh, projections. So for now, take it easy, guys.
It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.